thank you for your service. You guys out there on the front line, and we want to be sure we provide you the tools and the resources you need to see through these tough times. To that end, NAC and our partners at BKD have produced a five-week series of podcasts to assist you in managing your fiscal solvency during these times. Please take a moment to listen. Afterwards, provide any questions or comments to me at trainingsatnac.org. Your feedback is invaluable. I'm your host, Jervine Williams, NAC's Director of Financial Trainings and Technical Assistance. And today we're talking with Katherine Gilpin. She is a director at BKB. And the topic we're going over today will be health center funding, grants management considerations. Good afternoon, Katherine. How are you today? I'm doing well, Jervine. How about yourself? I'm great. Thanks so much for taking the time to do this podcast with us. So let's go ahead and jump into the question. Absolutely. So what are the biggest risks associated with all the funds currently available to health centers? I think there are several risks, but I think the biggest risk related to these funds is absolutely the risk that health centers might double dip and might utilize some of the funds that are available to them for more than one purpose. Um, When I'm thinking about other risks related to the, the current funds available to them, I think that there are risks with the payroll protection loan. And the main risk with that program is that the forgiveness calculation hasn't yet been released. And ultimately, um, un- until it is, health center, you know, health centers don't 100% understand how they're gonna, how, what the forgiveness calculation looks like. And so we're, we're guessing at this point, the payroll protection program, there's some language in the forgiveness calculation in, in the bill related to the forgiveness calculation that makes it uncertain whether these funds are going to be able to be used or forgiven on a cash or an accrual basis of accounting. All of our health centers are likely recording their transactions on the accrual basis of accounting, so there's a little bit of a disconnect there. And there might be a circumstance when you go to complete the application that you're going to have to rework your records because our understanding of what the forgiveness calculation is going to look like might be changed when the Small Business Association provides clarification. Um, Another risk I see associated with some of the funds currently available to health centers relates to a lack of information about how to obligate those funds. When I make that statement, I'm specifically thinking about the CARES Act provider relief funds that were provided to health centers. Ultimately, most of our health centers have probably received um, at a minimum two payments, most likely have received three, some have received four. This money, these funds were used to support health centers related to lost revenue or healthcare expenses as they work to respond to the COVID pandemic. And, you know, ultimately lost revenue is a little bit of a a nebulous concept. It's not defined within the health center program. And and because, because there's a lack of, you know, guidance in that regard, you know, ultimately health centers have to use their best judgment when they're determining how to use these funds. What are the principles of grants management and how do we apply COVID-19, apply that to COVID-19 specific funding? Absolutely. So related to all of the grant funds that health centers have received from HRSA, the grants management principles are the same, Um, 99% the same. There are very small differences, but not even important enough, I think, to talk about during this, during our podcast today. Um, And, you know, ultimately those principles, when I start and I think about grants management, the number one principle is that when you're allocating expense to a federal award, um, it has to be allowed. So it has to, you know, allowable from the purpose of it. The federal government doesn't 
prohibit this type of expense getting charged to an award, but then allowable also relates to the purpose of the award, right? And so you have to look at the reason that you received the funding and make sure that the expense aligns with that purpose. So number one principle is the allowable and allocable uh, cost principles. Um, to be allocable to an award, you know, when I think about allocable, it's making sure that health centers are taking into consideration grant, you know, concepts like the salary cap um, and, and not um, forgetting that there are defined expenses in the uniform grants guidance and certain expenses are, you know, allocable to an award. And then we have to support them with either some type of, you know, effort reporting related to salary and wage expense or potentially, you know, procurement documentation as we're procuring items that we're going to charge to the awards. The second grants management principle that I think is important relates to budgeting. Ultimately, health centers have been giving, um, you know, at this point, we've actually received three different awards from HRSA. Um, we were, the amounts that we received were predetermined and no health center had to apply for these grant funds. They were simply awarded um, because they have an active 330 grant. One of the things we like to mention related to budgeting is that, um, you know, ultimately, you know, we're recommending to health centers that they budget in a detailed manner. Remember that the budgeting thresholds for the COVID awards are different than the 330 grant and that a health center isn't permitted to use, any, you know, any expense. So if, if you budget for $0 on the contractual expense line on the HRSA budget, you're not approved to even rebudget to that line, right? So make sure that you're accurately budgeting depending or based upon how you actually intend to use the funds. Um, time and effort is one of our main grants management concepts, and that's just thinking through making sure that the staff that are working on the award, they are allocable to the award, right? So with the 330 grant and the COVID awards number one and two, the, the staff that can be allocated to those awards is, are very similar, right? So the 330 grant is any, you know, employee that's in scope, that's working on something in scope of the health center project that's not over the cap, that's not getting charged elsewhere. The two COVID awards are to maintain and increase capacity at the health center. It's actually the third COVID award that has a very restrictive purpose because it's only supporting testing at a health center. And so, you know, I would have an expectation that you, if you are allocating salary expense to that third COVID award, and then also potentially allocating expense to your 330 grant or one of the first COVID awards, that you would actually have a timesheet or some other type of, you know, system of internal controls in place that supports the allocation between the very restricted COVID number three award and then the less restrictive 330 grant and first two COVID awards. The, the last grants management concept that I'll talk about relates to procurement. And, you know, always remember that the Uniform Grants Guidance was released a couple years ago and it drastically changed procurement um, in regards to how health centers are required to procure. If you look at the Uniform Grants Guidance, there are actually five methods of procurement that are available to health centers. And you need to make sure that when you're procuring with federal dollars, that you procure using one of these five defined methods in the Uniform Grants Guidance. Procurement worries me a little bit with health center use of these, all of the funds available to them right now, mainly related to the fact that a lot of health centers will, you know, 
actually use salary and wage expense to obligate their federal grants so that they don't have to follow the federal procurement requirements. And you know, all of the COVID awards allow for pre-award costs backdating to January the 20th. And one of the things that I'd encourage you to think about is that you know, if you previously, if you had an expense and you choose um, because you're able to do so to you know allocate an expense backdating you know that you incurred backdated through January 20th or during the budget period of the award um, you still have to have support you have to have procured it compliantly um, the, the biggest thing to think about related to procurement um, and with federal dollars is that you know under ten thousand dollars a health center doesn't have to do much to justify allocating um, an expense to a federal award but between ten and two hundred and fifty thousand dollars at a minimum to allocate that expense a health center has to receive at least two quotes um, for the expenditure and you have to maintain the support for those quotes so think about that um, above $250,000 expenditures, there are three different methods, and you can find those in the Uniform Grants Guidance. But those four grants management concepts, Jervine, I think, um, in my mind, are the most important. And with that procurement, you're, you're actually trying to retrofit previous purchases to the new regulations. That's, that's very complicated. Thanks for that information. Yeah, you, you just have okay. to make sure that if all of your previous procurements didn't you didn't follow procurement guidelines you, you have to think that through because you know you might not have followed your federal procurement guidelines when you spent program income in january and february and that's a, a consideration you need to make okay so my next question how many additional federal funding opportunities are available for health centers all right so um, as of the date, um, you know, ultimately as of today, I actually think there are about 12 different types of, you know, supplemental funding that health centers are currently receiving. And that's not counting the, you know, supplemental funds that are attached to the 330 grant. We've received, you know, the FFCRA payroll protection health, there's telehealth grant funding, there's the cadre funding, there are the three different COVID awards. Everybody has their 330 grant. And then health centers have received, you know, at least two payments from the provider relief fund, but all have likely received three and some have actually even received four. So there's a tremendous amount of funding available to health centers right now and all come all of the different types of funding um, have different compliance requirements. And so that certainly is challenging right now for our health centers. So is there a best practice strategy or order of spending that health centers can follow while working to spend the stimulus money? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I would generally say that BKD suggests that, you know, you look at the funding that's available to you. I mentioned, you know, 12 different types. Um, or I, I mentioned that we have 12 different types of funding. Certainly the provider relief payments can all get used for the same purpose. So maybe there's eight. But, you know, ultimately what we think you should do is analyze all of the funding streams available to you and create an order of spending. Um, your order of spending should, you know, rank at the top. What is the most restrictive funding that I have right now? And then you should work your way to the least restrictive funding that you have right now. Um, we would advise, you know, and I would advise, BKD would advise that in most circumstances, you spend the most restrictive funds first and the least restrictive last. 
In the video, you mentioned that there are steps health centers can take to obligate and spend available funding. Can you walk us through those steps? Yeah, absolutely. So the very first step is what we just previously talked about, and that is analyze your funding streams, the restrictions attached to those funding streams, and develop an order of spending. The second step that I think is important is to develop, um, you know, forecast and analyze the expenses that you're going to have. You know, the COVID pandemic has certainly created all kinds of disruptions and, you know, changes. Um, you know, th the way that our business looks in the future is not the way that we originally budgeted for it right now. Everything's going to change. We're going to have new expenses related to COVID. Some of us are going to implement, you know, telehealth systems. Some of us are operating out of, you know, temporary locations, you know, tents while you're doing COVID testing. What I think, you know, this second step involves is saying, all right, here's what I thought it was going to be. What is it actually going to be in the future? and develop that pool of expenses. Third step in that plan is matching the most restrictive funding streams to your pool of expenses, just like we previously discussed. Uh, the fourth step is just preparing budgets for those COVID-19 awards that align with how you plan to match the revenue with the expenses. The fifth step I think is actually extremely important and you know it, it relates to record retention because you know ultimately you are going to be recognizing revenue as you incur expenses and I would encourage you to track those you know track that information in your general ledger it's a requirement of it's a grants management requirement I didn't mention it in the, in the principles but it but it's certainly also very important for you to make sure that you're using your general ledger to track expenses. The reason that I think it's so important mainly relates to the fact that the general ledger provides additional control. Um, it, it's very hard to charge an expense to two grants in your general ledger system, and it's far easier to charge an expense to two grants in an Excel spreadsheet. So you might utilize Excel to support different types of allocations of expenses to awards, but you know, it's ultimately a federal requirement that the revenues and expenses get recorded in the general ledger. You discussed seven sources of current funding streams. What are the most restrictive of those streams and why? All right, so we have the different funding streams right now. And certainly the one that we think is the most restrictive is the payroll protection program. Um, mainly that one is the most restrictive because it's time restricted and then the types of expenses that can get allocated, they're very specific, right? So we think that one's the most mm -hmm. effective. I, I would rank the second would be the, the COVID number three grant award. So that award was provided to health centers, I think maybe on May the 8th, and that was um, for expanded capacity for coronavirus testing. Um, I listened to the HRSA technical assistance call related to that funding this week. And ultimately, you know, they've even clarified that, um, you know, th this funding is only for testing and it's only to be used for expenses that you can link to testing. If you test a patient and they have the coronavirus, you can't use any of that third COVID award to support, you know, further care that you provide to that patient. And so I, I think this one is going to be problematic potentially for some health centers because we're, we're having problems getting tests. There are certain states whereby, you know, that restrict the type of testing that can be done or the, the organizations that can do the testing. And this third award has a very specific purpose. 
Health centers also had some telehealth grant funding related to from the FCC that was specifically for telehealth. And so, you know, that has a very restrictive purpose. Always remember that, you know, any additional funds received for your COVID response related to Ryan White or WIC are going to be more restrictive than, let's say, your 330 grant, because the WIC and the Ryan White grant funds are supporting specific activities at your health center, whereby the 330 grant can, you know, support anything in scope. Those different types of funding streams are more restrictive. Thanks so much for that. And my final question for you this afternoon. What are important compliance considerations for CARES Act recipients? That is a great question, Jervine. And you know, ultimately what I think is that the most important is just understanding that we, we still likely don't have all of the funding that we're going to receive. And you know, we've talked about the, the importance of developing an order of spending. And you know, I, I would just make a statement that you know, if we receive additional funding, you're going to have to challenge that order of spending that you've previously developed. Um, relook at your pool of expenses. You're going to have to go through the five-step process again that we mentioned um, in regards to the strategy for, you know, working through and obligating the funds that you receive. So just remember that the order of spending is not static and as you receive additional funding, you might have to change that order of spending and work through your strategy for spending the additional funding. I mentioned this earlier during our podcast, but also remember there's a lot of questions right now related to the payroll protection program. And um, until that forgiveness application is released, you know, we don't understand the, the true amount that might be able to get forgiven. Um, I think we generally understand it, but you know, it, j- just make sure that your health center records are flexible enough so that if you need to change them because of clarifications provided by the SBA that you're able to do that. You know, at at the end of this day, and I I emphasize this in the video, Jervine, and I want to emphasize it during this podcast. I mean, it's, it's extremely important right now that you think about ways to set up and optimize your system so that at the end of the day, um, you know, when the federal government or your financial statement auditors hold you accountable, um, your records are auditable. So ultimately, I, I think we all have the expectation and you and I have even, you know, talked about this, Jervine, you know, you have to approach these funds with the mindset that they're going to be audited and it's not if, but when, and you want to make sure that you're prepared um, for that day so that, you know, you, you don't have to, you know, ultimately you were given these funds to respond to the pandemic and you don't want to put your health center in a position whereby you didn't document something correctly administratively and you potentially risk having to pay back those grant funds in the future. Wow, Catherine, thanks so much for your knowledge and your time today. This was really great. And I'm going to go back and look to your video once again, because there's a lot of good nuggets in there. But again, thanks for your time. And thanks everyone for listening to the podcast. Please listen to the whole entire series. Have a great day and stay safe. Bye-bye.